When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. That's right. If you're consuming this on the Friday that it is recorded here, you can help us break the Score North YouTube channel late tonight. You know, once you're once you're done with your late night dinner, your cocktails, whatever it is, maybe you're coming back from Target Center or the XL Energy Center, we are going to be live simultaneously with two different shows, recapping two different Game 3s, Judd's Hockey Show and Flagrant Howls, live on the Scornorth YouTube channel tonight. So swing by. I think we're the only platform doing that. I don't think anyone else is doing for certainly one uh, not two post-game shows, so come check us out. Score North YouTube channel. Click subscribe, click the like button, help us spread the word. Uh, these therapy sessions have been very helpful, I think, to a lot of people, especially for the Timberwolves. A lot to unpack there. Mm. Let's see who, who starts in goal tonight, too, because uh, there, there could be a major therapy session going on. If uh, Wait, if there's the a team... question about who starts there shouldn't in be, goal? There shouldn't be, but there shouldn't have been for game two either, Phil, so... Uh... Let's just say, let's wait and see, okay? The therapist can't determine what happens. The therapist can only determine the form of therapy once we see what happens. Okay. I just, there should not be a question about who starts in goal. I'm not trying to lash out at you, but like, what are we doing here? I'm just a messenger. Okay. Okay. Well, welcome into the show. This is Feedback Friday, where we take all of your questions and comments and concerns, critiques from the week. We try to get to as many as we can. And this is going to be a big, giant batch of Vikings feedback here on this Friday. So let's start with Derek Vetter. And I think that the theme here is sort of how much will Kwesi shake things up early on the on the feedback here. He said, Derek says, this is more of a rant than a question. Big fan of the show. I've been watching now for just under two years. I came across you guys at Score North during the live draft episodes in 2021, I think you guys filled a real need in the Vikings fan community, a realistic critique of the Vikings, a team that has never won a Super Bowl but still has a large chunk of fans clamoring for the status quo. I honestly think if I hadn't found your show, I may have checked out on Vikings football a couple of years ago. The team was stale. Kirk got a fresh new extension again, even though he had zero real success. They brought back guys on contracts that were obviously crippling just so they could keep scraping by and winning like nine games. It just flat out wasn't fun to watch anymore. It was like watching the same movie over and over again that's good, not great, and the main character dies in a gruesome, almost disgusting fashion at the end, which is pretty much every Viking season. 
it's nice to know other fans out there can see the bigger picture. They can see the perpetual hell we've been in for five going on six years. I'm rambling a bit, but how on earth can some people watch this team fail year after year and not want wholesale change? What are your thoughts here as the, the sports therapist for Derek? And then how much do you think Quasi will shake the tree here in terms of wholesale change? We've already seen some wholesale change. Yep. Yeah, well, one, Derek, I'm glad that we did not lose you because it sounds like we came very close. I'm glad that you persisted. I'm glad that you found us, and um, I'm glad that we can help. That's why we are here. So I think his first point is very interesting, too. So before we get to crazy, you know, Derek is a 1,000% right. In retrospect, 21 was a sneaky, really tough year as far as just running it back again. Like, Ideally, now, in retrospect, after 20, you blow out Rick and Mike, right? And I believe that they both gotten contract extensions after 19, which is probably largely why they didn't get blown out. The pandemic obviously affected things. But I just remember going back to training camp in 21, where it was, I didn't know how bad, turns out it was terrible, but it was very clear that Rick and Mike weren't talking, that things had fallen apart. If you guys recalled when when um, Jeff Gladney was cut and Mike was talking about, well, I can't talk, or I, I can't t- talk about him in specific. And I asked Mike, I said, yeah, but what about first round draft picks? Like, you know, when, when you lose these guys and he's like, well, especially with the way that Rick covets them or it just was, it, there, yeah. was so, there was so much, <laughs> there was so much animosity. Like Mike hated Kirk, Rick and Mike didn't get along. Um, it was just, it was stale. It had run its course. And so I could see, as a Vikings fan, how that became very taxing. And then I know that they weren't a terrible team, but it sure didn't feel good. And so, yeah, I, I think that I think now what makes this so exciting is the freshness, potentially, right? There's so many unknowns now. We don't know. Um, we don't know. And, and I think it's why we were sort of disappointed going into 22, because we thought that there might be changes. There really weren't, but now there are. And so if you're a Vikings fan and you're not loyal just to certain players, like you're a Vikings fan. I think it's refreshing now. Like, that's a very good point. It yeah. doesn't feel, if, among other things, there's 100% O'Connell probably deserves a ton of credit for this. It doesn't feel stale, right? Yes, it, I agree. I, I think it was a big step, and it's also just inevitable. When you get players who are in their 30s, you're going to say goodbye to them. So yeah. I don't think the Vikings deserve a ton of credit necessarily for saying goodbye to Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen. It's just part of the evolution of, rosters in the NFL, but because they finally took the big step of saying goodbye to two long-time, well-respected, but aging players, it's the first time in a while where it actually feels like, well, I mean, besides, you know, changing out the GM and the coach, that there are wholesale roster changes on the horizon. And it still feels like we're we're just getting started here, even this offseason. I, I wouldn't be shocked if if Daniil Hunter and or Kirk Cousins were both off the roster by week one, I think anything's possible. They still have to make cap moves. Like they're only, they don't have enough money to sign their draft picks right now. And they could, they could easily just, you know, do a Daniel or a a Brian O'Neill restructure. You know, there's, there's ways they can do it, but Dalvin cook, Daniil Hunter, Kirk Cousins, these longtime pillars of the franchise are all just kind of twisting in the wind right now. So, there's a there's a lot more on the horizon here, and and draft night in less than a week is going to be a a fork in the road for 
all right, do do they go aggressive and get their quarterback of the future and then set a chain of events off that says goodbye to Cousins and, and whatnot? Are they having trouble reaching an extension with Daniil Hunter and they decide let's let's use a let's use him to go get a first or a second round pick? So Quasi's shaking the tree. Mm-hmm. It took him a year, but he is definitely shaking the tree. Uh JT Moraski says was a law recently passed that makes it illegal for Minnesota teams to move past the first round of the playoffs? All four of the big men's pro teams have had multiple playoff appearances now the last few years, and only the 2019 Vikings have made it out of the first round. But they were then punished for their crime by the 49ers. And after last night, the Wild and Timberwolves look quite safe from breaking that law. If the Twins make it this year, we just know another... Um, Another one and out against the Yankees is coming. I wonder if any of our teams will be brave enough to fight the man and get to the second round of the playoffs. I love the show. You guys keep me sane during the day. I will, I work remote and live with my wife and three girls, all of whom have zero sports interests. You guys help fill that sports debate hole in my life. It is kind of incredible. When's the last time the Wild made the second round? 2015. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Timberwolves, been, uh, it's been almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Twins, it's been 20. 20 years. Yeah. Vikings did it in 2019. Yep. And 17. Okay. Just got past the Saints by the hair of their chinny chin chin. The Vikings are doing it once in a while. But but again, this is why his point is why I find it so at times distressing that we settle so much, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, game two, I mean, uh, you know, the wild, they got to split. It's like our expectations cannot just continually. It feels like it feels like every time something bad occurs that we find the antidote to that. Well, the Wild lost again in in the first round, but they made the playoffs. It was a fun year, right? Like we're always looking for. Why are we always looking for the bright side of not getting a championship? Or I shouldn't say it's all, a coping. It's a coping mechanism, you know. Right, but I mean, in, as a sports therapist, it's not a healthy one. <laughs> We need to expect more. There's nothing wrong with expecting more. There's nothing wrong with when the head coach and potentially GM starts a goaltender who shouldn't start. I got a tweet last night. You got to get past this. This was what they did all season long. Okay? No. No, I'm not going to get past it. You didn't give yourself the best chance to win. Why would I want to get past that? Why would I not expect? I I mean, we're literally right here. It's a joke. We're sitting here talking about winning first rounds. I know. Well, that's yes, I agree. But and I hear the same thing on the on the Timberwolves front. You know, flagrant howls. Like I feel like half the episodes are just me going in on Carl Anthony Towns, deservedly so. But it, I think it makes people a little uncomfortable sometimes too. Like Minnesotans, we're just we we try to avoid conflict, and so I can sense. And plus, I just feel like what more is there to say at this point? He just continuously puts up clunkers, right? But I don't know, are we supposed to just kind of let it happen as a fan base and not make noise about it? Yeah. Because I do think, do I think fans have a huge influence over organizational decisions? Not necessarily, nor do I think they should. I don't think fans should be running an organization with just our emotional whims and thoughts and takes. But I think, for instance, Carl Anthony Towns should know that, dude, there should be a little pressure here to be better, to live up to the contract. So I, I go back and forth. I don't want to just sit here and complain day after day after day and just be well, a dark a cloud wolf. on this. It's because you're a lone wolf, too. That's the problem. 
There's power, there's strength in numbers, right? If Carl Anthony Towns was pulling the crap that he pulls here in New York or Boston, it wouldn't be Phil ripping him and the Boston Globe and Herald saying, oh, no, nothing's, no, no, here's what, nothing's wrong. So that's the problem is you are, we are actually, and, and this is where I think the Purple Daily and this show, our families have issues. We are made to feel guilty. And we are made to feel like we're lone wolves because of the criticism. Like, what? We're going to make, I, I mean, think, think about this. The default position in this town is we're not going to make a difference. That's the default position. And, and I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, if the media went all in on towns, it might not change things, but there would be way more accountability. Do you think he would play better more often in big games if the media and fans sort of assembled and went after him more collectively as opposed to just me on a podcast or... 100%. You know. <laughs> well, here... No, I don't know that, but here's what I think. I think that, you know, keeping in mind, again, we are eight years in. We are eight... I was 45 when Ooh, he was drafted. For, for Towns, Towns, right? Towns, okay. right. But I'm, I'm saying Towns as the poster child for this discussion. So we're eight years in. That's a long time in sports. That That's dog years. That's an eternity. And nobody's hand, the Wolves, Townses, has never been forced by any outside influence other than potentially TNT, which is a non-factor. He hears that. But what I'm saying is, imagine if Towns, rightfully so, was getting ripped up and down right now. It might not force Tim Connolly to make a move, but it would force some action fairly quickly. He'd be miserable. Towns would be. Uh, Conley, I, I mean... Tim Conley has gotten away, you guys, with making one of the most controversial trades in this town ever, a trade that might go down, for all we know, is the worst trade, and all we say is, well, he's not talking. Yeah, how, how many times has he done interviews? Not much, even? but the point is, okay, he's not talking, guess what? You have the right to talk for him. You have the right to talk about what he did. You have the right, if, if you have a column in this town, to absolutely write, write about him as much as you want. Like this is this whole thing of us passively aggressively going about our day. What am I going to have for dinner? Oh, I'm going to watch the Wolves game. Oh, the Wolves sucked again. That's okay. I'm like, going to have a big spoonful of ass kicking at the hands yeah. of the Nuggets for dinner. It's going to be great. But I mean, do do I think that on a daily <laughs> basis the fans and media are going to make teams make changes? No, absolutely not. But do I think that just backing off on everything and and being like, well, if cat, you know, think about this for a second. It's a big deal that Cat talks on a regular basis. He played like crap, but at least he faced what? the media after the game, right? He doesn't. But, but process I, I that guess for a second. There's a lot to unpack here, and now we've kind of gone down a wolf's path off. that I wasn't expecting. But it drives me nuts when we give credit to athletes for doing their job. When you have, a, for instance, Kirk Cousins or Carl Anthony Towns or Byron Buxton, right? By, well, Byron Buxton played in seven straight games or something. It's like. Yes. Certain things should not be celebrated. I think there's a good chance Towns comes out in game three, and people might listen to this after he does or doesn't do this, but he could come out and explode for 28 points, 15 mm -hmm. rebounds, three assists. And it's going to be a celebration of C, you know, and that's great. But when you are eight years in, in your prime, super max player, face of the franchise, putting up 25 and 15, and hitting threes 
should be the base level playoff performance for you. But we tend to, and the same for Kirk, you know, oh, look at Kirk. He's playing well in the fourth quarter. It's like, well, yeah, that's literally what he's getting paid to do. I'm not saying you can't praise them, but sometimes we go so over the top praising people for doing what they're supposed to do and then shielding them from criticism when they regularly don't do what they're supposed to do. And not starting Gustafson in game two is is not just, uh, well, they've, I mean, Dean himself said it. That's the way they've always done it. That's a lazy ass excuse, okay? Like you have a chance to win a playoff game or at least hold the game close because I'm going to tell you right now, Gustafson in game two does not give up seven goals. and. Instead, it's just like, well, I mean, Dean said this. Our acceptance of the excuses that we, we get and our and our ability, and I think it's because of, again, our passive-aggressive nature, but our ability to set a bare, like, floor of, well, at least he talked. <laughs> it's not how this should work. Yeah. I think, too, just, uh, just on the sports fan side of things, of – entering a playoff series and whatnot. Like, the Wild have now been to three straight playoff first-round series. Okay, so this is the third straight year they're entering a best-of-seven series in the first round. And in a series where, in my opinion, they have a chance to win. They had a chance to win in Vegas. Wild fans were jumping for joy when they got Vegas two years ago because the Wild have historically really beat up on the Vegas Golden Knights the regular season. He lost in seven games. Last year, the Wild get the Blues in a home ice. This is only the second time the Wild have been in the playoffs a ton, right? This is only, like, the second or third time that's why I'll get home ice in a playoff series. Oh, this will be great. You lost in six. Yes, uh, going into game one this week against the Stars to begin the week, it. I don't know why this is, but like game one at least for a playoff series in hockey, and I love hockey, the Wild have been there so much, it, it doesn't amp me up. Like I don't get the nerves. I don't get the excitement because they've literally been in the first round for yeah. half their existence. No, you've developed a tolerance now. That first... The first two drinks don't give you a buzz no. now, dude. No, you they need... don't. I need four. I need five, five, six. Uh, <laughs> where, like, the Twins, I think it's so pent up. They haven't even won a playoff game where I am on pins and needles and I'm pinching the entire time because I'm so upset and nervous of what's going to happen. And the and the last one with the Vikings, it's just they, they had a wild card round this year. All right, we get playoff football, and playoff football is great, right, especially when your team's in it. That it was there was an excitement. There was a there was a fresh fresh uh, breath air and and whatnot. But now it's it's so weird how I'm just like I'm desensitized basically to Minnesota mm-hmm. Wild playoff games. It is quite incredible, actually. You know what? This is a good segue here. Min Choi chimes in here via the Scorn Earth app on this Feedback Friday, and he says, "I love the show because you guys demand championships. Call out the ones who are satisfied with mediocrity. But it, sometimes it feels like just to interject here." It's kind of a straw man. Like, we, you know, yes, we tend to, I think we tend to, I don't know, be a little more edgy in that we criticize more often and we sort of lash out through through these platforms. But um, Min Choi says, I love the show because you guys demand championships. Call up the ones who are satisfied with mediocrity. Here is where being in love with mediocrity has gotten Minnesota sports from a probabilistic point of view. He's an analytics guy, okay? Since the Twins won a championship in, in, in 1991, over 30 years ago, there are around 30 teams in each of the major four men's leagues. That means we should realistically expect a championship every 30 years from each team, mathematically. You know, it's like your turn. Right. The odds of just reaching, not even winning a championship game or series in a 30-team league is 1 in 15. So keeping this simple, he does a bunch of math here. <laughs> and I'm going to trust his math. There's a 99.3% chance that any given city or state with four major teams 
should expect a championship series or game in a three-decade period. Mm-hmm. The odds of not winning a single championship is less than 2% over a 30-year period when you have four teams in the four leagues. If this is not the sign of historically bad losing culture in this state, then what is? No more fear, no more mediocrity. Thank you for your service in trying to change this state. Dude, It is. I almost feel like it's not recognized or talked about enough when you... We talk about cities with droughts, right? Well, Buffalo or whatever. Well, Buffalo has two teams. Yeah, We have four teams. Yes, this 30 is- years. And there was a little gap there. There was like a seven-year gap with the Wild and North Stars transition. But it's mathematically, I'll trust this math, that it's almost impossible to not have been to a championship series or game. And it's also almost impossible to not have won something in those 30 years when you have four teams taking a crack at it every year. Well, and let's examine this, too. So, like, I feel like the Vikings, for as much pain as they cause, are the one sort of normal team that can't that can't get a title because they go to playoffs. They've had some great years. They're consistently good, okay? But let's let's delve down. Let's dig down here with the three teams left. The Wolves. The Wolves were an expansion team in 1989-90. They have now been here longer than the North Stars were. And they have one, literally they have one run of playoffs, which which ended with all first-round losses until they got to the conference finals. But for the most part, they have been just an abysmal disaster, one of the worst teams in pro sports. The Wild signed two of, you know, probably had one of the biggest days, if not the biggest day ever, in NHL free agency history, right? You signed two of the biggest names. You packaged them up. You said, you basically said what the Vikings said in 18, which is, okay, this is just championship or bust. The owner said that, essentially. And and, and not only are both guys now gone, bought out, bought out, paid to go away in a divorce, but you haven't been past the first round. The first round in a sport that's arbitrary in a lot of ways since 2015. And the Twins might trump everybody with a losing streak in North America that will never be broken. Yeah, it's a, it, and it's under the radar nationally. It really is because it's not, you know, it's kind of a flyover market. But it is, it is pretty incredible. Uh, i got a couple more for you guys here. Uh, this next one from Brian North is presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. If you're looking to, it's already an exciting sports weekend. If you're looking to make it even more exciting, our friends at Underdog have you covered, Declan. Especially, too, if you want to, when you're watching the Wild and Wolves tonight, you can do a little mixed sport entry, okay? You can do a little mixed sport. Why don't you take a Minnesota Timberwolves prop, Anthony Edwards, 25 and a half, over under. I'd ride the over. You always ride the over. Always go up on the over, right? What about uh, when Philip Gustafson's hopefully named the starter here in a couple hours? Why don't you take the uh, over on, on saves for Philip Gustafson? You know the Stars like to shoot a lot. You can do a, a bunch of mixed sports entries there. PGA Tour is going on this weekend. Plenty of great stuff at Underdog Fantasy. First-time users get a $100 bonus with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, when they sign up. Go download the Underdog Fantasy app. Thanks to Dennis Kirk also for supporting us here at Score North. It's been a long winter. Now, I saw in outstate Minnesota, like Wilmer, people were like snowblowing yesterday. This is ridiculous. It's one of the worst historical snow winter seasons in Minnesota history, but riding season is just around the corner now. Make sure your motorcycle is ready with Dennis Kirk. 
You'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com so you can ride more and wait less. Over 180,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Shipping is free for orders over $89. If you order by 8 p.m., they ship the same day. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. From Brian North. He says, longtime listener going back to the 1500 ESPN radio days. First, I want to say thank you guys for all the great content. Enjoy how far you guys have come from a four-hour radio show to now doing a fantastic all-around podcast. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. So are we. Adaptable. Um, I want to write in today and comment on the running back discourse. I feel like we've gone so far in the other direction that it's insane to me. And people are really saying they wouldn't want Bijan Robinson in the first round if he's available. To me, this is crazy talk. If we didn't use the words running back and I just said, hey, would you like a great football player on your team who can catch the ball? He's a threat to score on every play. He can pick up blitzers in the backfield all for like three, five, seven million dollars a year for the next five years. Pretty sure everyone would sign up for that guy. Can we try and not overthink this too much? You know, all good points. Unfortunately, I, I think the pendulum has swung so much it's not swinging back um now this might be a unique case and it just takes one team for instance in the top 15 to say screw it we'll take him um but i mean i think when you look at how teams look at players now and and most importantly positions right um i don't know until running backs get to change their position name so like he, he said football player i don't know the pendulum's going to swing back but you know, with this kid, perhaps there's a team in the top, I don't know, 12 that take him. Well, I think w- one thing I would say is this is not to minimize the talent of Bijan Robinson because I'm on the record saying, hey, if he's still there in the 20s, I'm depending on how the draft board plays out, I'm considering him, especially mm-hmm. if you're saying goodbye to Dalvin Cook. Sure. But if you're a running back and most of your work comes behind an offensive lineman, that like, like most of your touches and the success of you as a player – regardless of your talent, is predicated on what's happening in front of you as opposed to a wide receiver. And now the offensive line and the quarterback are integral to a wide receiver success too. Everyone has to play off each other. But a wide receiver is out there trying to beat a cornerback on a route, speed, agility, whatever it is. A running back is really at the mercy of blocking up front first and foremost. So that's just like... That's why you can put sort of a backup caliber running back in. You can go from you can go from Dalvin Cook to Alex Madison, and and it may maybe goes from like you know four and a half yards of carry to four yards of carry or something. It's not yep. a, it's not a huge difference. But if you went from Justin Jefferson for a full season down to you know who's the uh, the fifth round um, receiver from Michigan State, for instance, right? Naylor, Naylor, uh, Jalen Naylor. He ain't going for 1,800 yards and nine touchdowns. Right. So there's just a bigger drop-off at some of the other skill positions. Now, if you, could, if you can use Bajan Robinson in 
the passing game and he can catch 60 passes and do all these other things. Like, yeah, but that's why running backs are just so predicated. Like their success is so predicated on what's happening in front of them. So I get it. Uh, but, but Dex, would you take Bajan Robinson? Yeah. What's your stance? On I, I, I think he looks damn good. I, uh, when, when Dan Jeremiah says he's the second best player on his big board and look, I, I, everyone has different evaluations of, of draft prospects, and I have been on the record numerous times saying I find the mock draft community like the most fascinating industry in all of sports. I just truly think it's incredible. But when a guy like Daniel Jeremiah, who's a, a very plugged-in scout and has worked for front office teams, says that, and looking just at his production, just as someone who hasn't watched a lot of Texas football, uh, yeah, I would, t- I would take a chance on a running back like that. That could be a game-changing running back. So, yeah, I'd be in on it. Luke Konowalski chimes in and says, Hey guys, loved your best draft picks since 2006 episode. Judd put together a pecking order on Purple Data this week of the best Vikings draft picks in each round since 2006 when he started covering the team. Could you guys do the worst picks of each round? I'd love to see that list. It would be hilarious. Thanks for the laughs. Well, old Macadac has put together do? that list. What nice. did you do? Through seven rounds, because no, I, I didn't. I started around like seven. I can't do seventh round picks. They all, well, but like, yeah, I went five rounds because okay. once you get to the sixth or seventh round, yeah. it's mostly just whiffs. It, there's nothing. Well, not yeah. according to Rick, it wasn't. Uh-uh. According to Rick, those were God. precious picks. Give me you five know, more of them in each round. If you look and see, if you if you draft twenty seventh round picks and one pans out, this is why I think Quasi knows this. I think Quasi's. He's much more interested in second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. If if he can package picks and move back into the fifth round or something. So anyhow, all right, here's here's mine just kind of doing five minutes of research before the show here today. So th- I went since 2006, so I did the same parameters as Judd. Okay. The worst picks by the Vikings by a round. We'll start with the first round, and it's between two players, I think. I chose Christian Ponder. Well, actually, it's between three players because you can make a case for Troy Williamson or Laquan Treadwell. Mm-hmm. But I went Christian Ponder just because he's a quarterback, the magnitude of the position and the failure. And I think the fact, too, that he was just out of the league after his rookie contract was over. Just He yeah. wasn't even valuable enough to be a backup in his early 30s. He was just out of the league. The incredible thing about Troy, though, is he was the seventh overall pick. Mm-hmm. Like, Tre- Treadwell was in the 20s, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Ponder was like 12, so that's really, really bad. I, I do agree with your assessment there, but you took a guy that couldn't catch a football seventh overall. And then in the same draft at 18, you took Erasmus James, who just turned out to hate football. Yeah. That was a rough <laughs> draft, man. Really rough draft. Oh, that entire and, draft is awful. And the optics, too. It's not Troy Williamson's fault that he yeah. was coming in to replace Randy Moss. Like, everything right. else was his fault, not being able to catch passes. Right. But the fa- the optics of, okay, here's the guy that's going to replace Randy Moss, and he's the worst receiver in Vikings history, right? Second round, I chose Chris Cook, the first-round yep. cornerback. That dude played like five years in the NFL, zero interceptions. As yep. a second-round cornerback, he did not pick a pass off in the NFL. I yep. believe, wasn't, wasn't there a game, and this was like early Twitter days, and, and he did, like credit to him. He like he did put Megatron in check for a game, and by Megatron in check, I mean he had like four catches for 65, 70 yards, and and we all kind of oh we just we found a new stud cornerback in Chris Cook. No, it didn't work out for him. And if I'm not mistaken, Chris Cook was was one of those drafts where the Vikings didn't have a first round pick, and so he was a second round pick, but he was their first pick <laughs> in, in the draft. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, God, was he not good? 
Yeah, that was bad news. Uh, honorable mention, Toby Gerhardt, but Gerhardt gave you at least some backup reps as a running yeah. back. Cook was terrible. Okay, third round. There's some. This is where we get into like third, fourth, fifth round. It's <laughs> mostly bad players. I'm going to highlight some of the worst ones. I think Kellen Mond is the worst third-round pick the Vikings have made since 2006. Wow. All of us were very hopeful and optimistic that, okay, some people yeah. are saying some good things, but that dude was off the roster before his second season. Yep. With that the coaching is, staff that new quarterback play. So yeah. they basically said, this guy's so bad, we can't even coach him. Yep, off the roster before his second season. But you could say the same thing about Wyatt Davis and Chaz Surratt. That, basically, that whole... Outside of Patrick Jones, that whole third round, abject disaster. So Kellen Mond. Okay. That's a good one. Fourth round, a six foot five, three hundred and thirty pound behemoth that basically was just out of the league in a couple of years. Willie Beaver. <laughs> oh god. The highest pick in that draft to be cut coming yes. out, out out of camp. Like fourth to cut a fourth round pick, you have to suck. It's bad. Yeah. Because those fourth round picks are supposed to be starters for you if you if you you know, we're doing your job the right way. That's a swallow your pride one, right? Like, yeah, this guy looks bad, but we can't we can't cut him. How are we gonna justify this? Yeah. They're like, you are not good. And then I'm piling on here. This is I feel bad doing this. He's a gopher, but along the same lines, the Vikings drafted Nate Triplett, a linebacker, in the fifth round about yep. ten years ago. Yep. And he was cut out of training camp. They yep. just flat out cut a fifth round linebacker. And I th- I think he might have played a hand like five games in the NFL for somebody else, but so Nate Triplett. And then there's sixth and seventh rounders, but most of them are just irrelevant, so it's kind of hard to do that. So those are, to me, those are the worst the worst Vikings draft picks by a round since 2006. I, I like that. Um, these guys wouldn't qualify as the worst third-round third, third round picks, but the trio of cornerbacks, definitely Marcus McCauley, Asher yeah. Allen. Josh Robinson. And Josh Robinson, who all played – but they're but, but this is the thing they were bad be, like compared to the starting players for sure. But compared to the world of third round picks, yeah. those guys at least emerged as starting NFL players, mm-hmm. which is yeah. why because people are gonna say, well, what about like T.J. Clemmings or Drew Samia? Well, yeah, played, yeah, yeah, those guys were not good players, but they started in the NFL as opposed to some other third fourth round picks like Willie Beavers that couldn't get out of training camp. The problem yeah. was the Vikings prided themselves on the premise of, you know, cornerbacks, we're going to find them in the third round. And they found this li- this list of guys who played and played so poorly. And here's the other thing, the Josh Robinson thing, one of the, because it's not uh, sexy to talk about, but when they moved him, when they cut Winfield, right, and they moved this poor kid into the slot, which they knew was a tough job, and they basically said, you know, you sort of struggled outside a bit. Like, you might be a player there. We're not sure. Go cover the inside receiver in the slot. Is one of the most baffling decisions. And there's no way Frazier said that. There's no way. Because he was a defensive guy. He's not dumb. Spielman or somebody must have said, oh, he can move inside. Yeah. One of the no. most baffling decisions ever made as no. far as, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I will say, looking at these lists again, because we've done this a couple times this week, just looking at drafts since 2006, the Vikings historically have hit some big home runs in the first round, but then some equal big-time busts. So it's it's yeah. very feast or famine. All right, that is a wrap on this Feedback Friday here in Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. If you're watching on the Score North YouTube channel, please click the subscribe and the like buttons so we can keep spreading the word and growing this Minnesota sports fan slash therapy community. 
And uh, we'll see you over the weekend here for some post-game recaps and some vent lines on Flagrant Howls and Judd's Hockey Show. See ya.